I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Pros. Pros is the custom beauty brand that is all over your feed. I had been wanting to try them for so long. And when I tell you guys that I put on my Instagram story that they were going to be sponsoring the podcast, I got so many genuine organic responses from my following of people being like, oh my God, I love Pros. I've been using it for years. So don't even just take it from me, but take it from the genuine people that reached out agreeing with me about how much they love Pros. And when Pros says custom, they actually mean it. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. One of the coolest parts of the questionnaire that I thought was they literally asked me about my location and my zip code so that they could understand how hard the water is here, what the UV index is like, if it's cold, if it's dry, and all of that goes into these truly personalized products. Pros even did a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, and Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. So try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering the Artie Friends listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Artie Friends. That's pros.com slash Artie Friends for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash Artie Friends. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Artie Friends. I'm Allison, and I'm actually going to be doing a solo episode today talking about my business, New Wave. Kara is gone on a work trip in Morocco. She got an incredible opportunity to go there for a few weeks, so I hope she's staying safe and having fun. We thought this would be a great opportunity to let me take the reins for a week and talk about my store uh, since there's so much to cover. I did a Q&A on the Instagram and got a lot of questions. So I thought what I would do is break it up into kind of like a history timeline and tell you guys everything about it. And then at the end, do the Q&A section. That way, I feel like the story will cover a lot of the questions and then I'll kind of just rapid fire out some of the answers at the end. So my store, it is called New Wave. It is located here in Omaha. I sell new vintage and secondhand clothing. I also sell accessories, home decor, novelty and gift type items. Um, it's kind of like what I call a speakeasy clothing store. I don't have a door sign. When I launched and opened the store, I didn't even have a website. It was on maps. Like I felt that if people really wanted to come to the store and find it, they would figure it out. And it was also back in June. So just kind of a weird time to be opening the store in the first place. So I definitely see why people have a lot of questions because in the midst of all of COVID and the pandemic happening, most brick and mortars were going out of business or moving online. And me and my crazy self decided to open a brick and mortar space. So that's just typical me doing the weird things, but I wanted to take it back to before New Wave because they say behind every success story is 10 years in the making. And I thought, well, that is so true in this case. Like I could have never opened New Wave without the experience that I had prior to opening the store. So for about three and a half years, I managed really high volume bars and event venues. It taught me a lot about how to handle high pressure events, constant emails, balance like never ending to-do list, talk to clients. And I also did freelance marketing and design, which taught me how to gain clients, how to navigate working from home, build up my design style, create websites. I kind of ended up getting into the niche of doing like branding and rebranding projects, which I think the main thing people always say about New Wave is like, oh my gosh, I just love the brand. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have probably, you know, 20, 30 branding projects under my belt. Um, I think what's unique about my story is that I work full time during college. That's pretty rare. Most people don't do that. And by the time, you know, I was 23 when I graduated, I already had all that experience, which was so crucial and giving me like a leg up in my career, having the funds in my bank account, having a savings, having 
a personal, a financial advisor and just kind of knowing the direction I wanted my life to go. But when I did graduate in 2018, um, I stayed at the job I was at through September. And then I will say I definitely took a gap year. I was so tired because I did um, a double bachelor. I got a degree in advertising, public relations, and a degree in art graphic design while I was working full-time and trying to do freelance stuff. So by the time I graduated and left that job, I was just exhausted. And this was right when Clay and I met and I was just working more part-time, getting settled in Omaha. Clay and I ended up taking a one month long road trip uh, up to the Northeast. We went to like New York and Montreal and that was so good for Clay and I's relationship to really get to know each other better. But when I got back from that, I was like, okay, I feel like it's been a year since I graduated now. I am ready to make some money, do my thing and move forward. And graduating from the University of Nebraska, if I learned anything during that time, it's that the Nebraska Huskers have, or that Nebraska has the strongest school spirit of like literally any school I've ever known. And as a student, I would always want like really dope Husker clothes to wear to like tailgates and parties and whatever. And there was just such a huge gap in this like cool game day clothing market. Like every boutique just had those t-shirts, you know, with like a tacky curly like you writing and some like lame quote. And I just like didn't want that. So ending up, I feel like I would always wear just like a basic red tank top and jeans. But I felt like if I was having this fashion problem, then so were a lot of other students and like alumni and other people that were trying to go to games. So being that it was June at this point and Husker season didn't start until that fall, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to curate a huge collection of vintage Husker clothing. So I went to literally all four corners of the state of Nebraska, all of these small towns. I went to garage sales, thrift stores, vintage shops, like found things on Facebook Marketplace, anything you could do. I just like swooped it all up because what I learned from Barry's is like, if you just go hard and make a huge impact, like the people will come because we used to do those t-shirt drops at Barry's and people just went crazy over it. So I learned a lot about the Nebraska culture and t-shirts from that time. So I kind of combined those experience together into this Husker brand. I made an Instagram for it. It's called at game day like Wedig. I don't even really know where that came. The name came from. I just kind of came up with it one day and went from it, went with it from there. But you can look at the Instagram. It's still up. It's very aesthetic. It's got like kind of like an edgier vibe. But yeah, I just bought up all of this Husker t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, joggers, cheer skirts. I also have um, some experience with sewing. So I reworked and upcycled some things, made cool skirts crunchies, the whole nine yards. So the first pop-up was August, 2019. And I've kind of touched base on some of these things on other podcast episodes, but sorry to repeat myself. I'm just going to try to make the whole timeline make sense for you guys. So I did that. And then I ended up having 11 pop-ups throughout that fall football season. And as they went, I ended up kind of mixing in other non-Husker clothing just to see like, okay, is there a market for other stuff like regular, you know, just like a flannel, not necessarily a Husker or Nebraska flannel because I'd have people message me and be like, oh my God, dude, like your brand is so cool, but like, I'm not a Husker fan. I don't go to Nebraska. Like I don't really feel the need to buy something Nebraska. And so I was like, okay, let's like expand this out a little bit. So I did the pop-ups at coffee shops, bars, sorority houses, hair salons, any random lot, a park, wherever people would, businesses would just reach out. And I never had to pay for a venue because normally how it would work is like, if it's at a coffee shop and all of these people are coming, then people are going to buy coffee from the shop. So they're going to make money. I'm going to make money. Everybody wins. But I was hustling so hard that fall because I was also doing these Husker party buses. I had so many weddings booked when I was doing wedding coordination and I still had some freelance clients that I was doing, but I knew I really wanted to travel. Our lease was ending in November. And I was like, you know what? This is kind of the last time in my life where I'm going to have months to do whatever I want. And I kind of had this like inkling that I really wanted to start a coffee shop. And Kara and I had gone down to Columbia in November and absolutely loved it. I mean, I've always been in love with coffee. And so I basically convinced Clay to quit his job at Qit and go down to Columbia with me. So he works through the end of the year. And on January 2nd, 2020, we flew to Columbia. We like did coffee tours. We took barista classes. We visited what felt like nearly every shop in every city and town that we went to. We went to the whole coffee region. It was so much fun. And someday I definitely will use everything I learned. But for now, let's just put that chunk on the back burner. 
We then made our way down to Ecuador for a few weeks and then to Peru. And it was in Lima where the gears really started turning for me. By this point, I feel like, you know, we had basically just been spending money for quite a few weeks and I was doing some freelance stuff, but I wasn't really like earning that much money. And, you know, no matter where you are, what you're doing with travel, like, of course it's so fun, but there is always the comforts of home that you miss. And in Lima, we were just like kind of getting to that point where we were really tired and ready for a change. But I felt like the universe wanted me to go to Lima. And then that's like where it cut me off. So on our actual last day there, I had probably my favorite day that we had when we were in South America. Started off, we went to this little um, cafe called Caleta Dolsa. And when I walked in, oh my gosh, like half of it was like a cafe with this gorgeous brunch. And the other half was a clothing store. And I was like, this is my dream. I was taking so many pictures, so many videos, like geeking out. I think we were there for like three hours. I just wanted to keep ordering brunch because I was like, Clay, this is like seriously my dream. Like, this is it. This is what I want. Like, I loved the fusion of the clothes and the coffee together. Um, and it was also kind of like down a few steps. Like it wasn't this big, huge storefront. It was like kind of quirky. They have an Instagram, Coletta Dulce. You can look them up. Super cool. Then we kind of went shopping and we we're just walking around this little district that we were in. Went to another store called El Closet de Mi Hermana, my sister's closet. It was very boho. Loved the vibe, loved the aesthetic, found so many things that I wanted. And then we went to a full-blown like speakeasy clothing store. Like my store might be a speakeasy clothing store, but at least the store is on the, or the door is on the main street. This one, you went into a grocery store, went all the way into the back, like went down this hallway, went in through another door and there was a full-blown vintage shop in the back of this grocery store. And I was just like, oh my God, like these people are doing it. Like one thing I really love about Europe and South America is those places are so condensed and people use space in a way that we don't here in America. Like I feel like in America, everything's like, let's make it as big as you can. And like everyone needs so much space and so much room. And in some of these countries that have such high population density, they're like, nope, I have 25 square feet and I'm, I'm going to make a million bucks out of this place. Like they really use what they have. And I think that was really pivotal, pivotal in my brain for being like, okay, you know what? Let's rethink like what opening a store or a coffee shop could look like. Like I don't need to be at Village Point or, you know, Rockbrook. Like maybe I can just find some little hidden spot, especially when you're starting out. Like if you don't have the funds to do some big, huge thing, that doesn't mean that you can't make it happen. So basically we had this amazing day in Lima and the next morning we were like, okay, well, we just did all these great things that we wanted to do here. What's next? And something that was on my bucket list, one of the main reasons I even wanted to go to South America was so that we could go to Mendoza, Argentina and go to like the whole wine region. And oh my gosh, like it was so expensive. We would have had, I mean, if you look at a map of South America, it is a long way from Peru down to Argentina, like very long flights. We would have had to have rented a car once we got there to go to all of these different wine tours. And we're like, how is that even going to work? Like, obviously we're going to be drinking wine. We're not going to like drunk drive this car in a different country. It just kind of felt like it wasn't adding up. And Clay was really missing his family at this point. And they were going on a ski snowboarding trip up in Whistler. And I knew that he really wanted to go. And we were sitting there having coffee that morning. And I was like, you know what, babe, let's do it. We can go. Let's go see your family. And sorry to out Clay here, but he definitely like shed a little tear. It's probably the only time I've ever seen that happen. And he was just like, are you serious? Like, I would just love to do that so much. And I'm like, yep, let's do it. So pulled up my laptop. We booked a flight for like three hours later that day, loaded up our suitcases, flew from Peru to Kansas City because the flight into Omaha was like way more expensive. Get to Kansas City. And okay, well, I guess I'll tell the story. So we're going to go to Kansas City, get the rental car, go to Omaha, change out our bags because obviously we were in a very hot climate and we were going up to go to the mountains. So we needed all of our snowboarding and stuff like that. And then we we're going to drive Omaha all the way up to Whistler. So we're going to get Clay's car. But when we get to Kansas City, all I wanted to do was thrift. Like I'm back on mainland America. You know, I'm like, what am I going to do? Haven't been in the country for months. The first thing I do is go to a thrift store, like poor Clay. I'm like stringing this man along. We've had no sleep. It's been like the most exhausting 24 hours and it hasn't even started. We still have a 36 hour, well, more than that like a 40 hour drive ahead of us. And I think perfect time. Let's, let's go to a thrift store and spend two hours and make Clay sit in the corner and wait for me. Like that love of my life. What a guy. So 
I'm just buying stuff. I don't even know what I was buying it for. I don't know if I was going to have another pop-up, but I was just like in heaven being back in my elements, thrifting and finding stuff. So I like buy all these things. We put it in our little slug bug rental car, get to Omaha, surprise my parents, pick up peaches. And we begin this drive all the way up to Canada. And I just don't really like the snow. I think at some point I could get really into snowboarding, but this was not the time. I was also so tired. I was like, the last thing I'm going to do is like go get on a mountain right now. And I also found out that Vancouver is like the thrift vintage Mecca of like the world. Like they have, I think like a hundred thrift and vintage shops. So I was like, actually, this is prime time. Like Clay, you and your brothers and your parents, you guys go ski and snowboard all weekend. I'll, I'll be down in Vancouver finding all of the things. And Oh my gosh, it was so fun. Peaches was just like in the car. We were driving through the mountains and I was like feeling so inspired. There were so many cool shops in Vancouver and I wasn't like trying to interview the owners by any means, but I was definitely like collecting inspiration with something in mind. And at one shop, I talked to the owner and was like, so like, how is this for you? Like, do you love it? And she's like, I've been doing it for 17 years. It's so lucrative. Like, it's so much fun. I've never regretted doing this. And Crazy enough, this is actually kind of a recession-proof business because as people get, you know, less money, they're actually more inclined to go shop at a secondhand or a vintage store. And I was like, dang, you're totally right. Because like, obviously in 08, when the whole financial crisis happened, like so many people lost jobs that they never would have thought they would have lost. And I was like, okay, that's actually really good to know. Having no idea that COVID was like coming right around the corner. So kind of do all of that creative research. And there was one other store that was so busy. It was a curated thrift shop. And I walked in and I was like, if I have this shop someday that is this busy, like I will have made it like this is so cool and so inspiring. And just seeing that that many people actually wanted to buy a secondhand and vintage because that hadn't really made the scene in Omaha yet. Like people are still accepting that it's okay to wear used clothing. But up in Vancouver, like everyone does it. It's a lifestyle thing. It's not a money thing. So then we make our way down to Seattle. I keep thrifting. We're like literally sleeping in the car at this point. And then the first person was announced that died from COVID in Seattle. So we were like, okay, maybe we should move on. We go to Cannon Beach. We have a great weekend. We're in Portland. And Clay and I look at each other and we're like, we're done. We're tapped out. We're like actually going home, home this time. Like not just back to our continent, like we are going home. So we begin this drive from Portland back to Omaha. And I don't know how many hours it is, probably like 30. And the whole way home, we were just like, okay, what, what is our future like now? Like we went from being like a week ago, we were in Peru thinking like, okay, maybe next week we'll be in Argentina. Like we we're planning to spend that whole year traveling. And now everything just changed so fast. And we were like, well, we obviously have to go back to Omaha. Like we have peaches and we have all this stuff in our car and we could use a shower real bad. Like, but what are we going to do? And I was like, no matter what, I'm not living at our parents' house. Like I'm 25, that's not in the cards for me. Uh, so I was like, if we go back there, like we're signing a lease. And prior to that, we talked about moving to all of these different places. And I just had this calling on my heart. I was like, I have to open this store in Omaha. Like I owe it to Omaha. My people are there. My support system is there. Like I had also started an Instagram account and a website called at the Omaha local. So I had started meeting more of like the business owners around Omaha and watching the scene of Omaha turn more into like a Kansas city and a Chicago. And I was like, no, I want to be a part of this story of Omaha. Like if I move and try to open up the store in New York, like I'm just the smallest fish in the sea. Like if I do this in Omaha, I can actually like make a difference and inspire people and, you know, like make my mark. And so he was like, okay, that's fine. Like, let's do it. And I was like, give me three years. That's all I want. Give me three years of trying to open the store, learning everything. And after that, we can go somewhere else. I don't care. The next three years after that are yours. Like if we, if you want to live in a tiny little cottage in Montana, I'm like, that's fine, babe. We'll, I'll do it for you. Like, I just need these next three years. Cause he didn't really know what he wanted with his career. Cause he's a year younger than me with um, graduating. So I felt like, I don't know, I had it a little bit more figured out. And then I was like, you know, then in a few years, he'll have it figured out and we'll, we'll move for him. But so we get back to Omaha and as, or as we're driving back to, back to Omaha, I'm looking on all of these websites for like places that are for lease, trying to contact real estate agents, setting up tours for literally the next day. I'm like, I don't care about sleeping. I don't care about anything. I honestly feel like we just didn't even sleep for a week. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. But once I had that on my mind that I was going to open this store, like nothing was going to stop me. And I guess I should preface, like, I didn't even know if it was necessarily going to be like a store, but I was like, I want my own of something. And so we get back next day. I'm touring the place, which is that I actually have now. I went to some other ones, but it wasn't quite right. And I walk in and I'm like, this is it. I could just 
feel it. I felt so comfortable. I felt at home. I'm like taking all these pictures and videos, like running around. Like if you guys have been to New Wave, there's like so many rooms. Like just imagine everything empty. So the front part of this unit is actually uh, like zoned as the work part. And then on the back, there's an apartment that's zoned as a live part, which is so uncommon. And I was like, wait, so you mean I could have my business here and live in the back for one, um, what do you call it? Lease deal. And I was like, this is everything I need right now. So I told my real estate agent, I'm like, I want to give me the papers. Here's my checkbook. Like, what do I need to do? And she's like, I actually like have someone else coming to look at it. And I have to get to another tour. And I was like, no, I'm not leaving. I literally sat outside. She had to lock it. She should leave. I was like, I sat outside the front door and called my mom's sister and client. I'm like, I, I'm not leaving this place. Like I'm, I'm staying here until we tell someone shows up with some paperwork for me to sign because this is my spot. And she ends up figuring out some other guy that can come down like her assistant, like this, totally this young guy, he comes in, we sign the paper. We move in like two days later, March 15th. So we get moved in. Our families help us move in. We go to the store, you know, we stock, we buy a couch, we stock up on all the essentials, the toilet paper, the food, everything. No joke. Two days later, March 17th is when like the whole world just like went to shit. Everything closed down. All of the grocery stores started getting, you know, completely empty. And I really felt like that was just the universe being like, leave South America, get home, get what you need to do. It gave me all the inspiration I needed. It got Clay and I home safely, back with our families, put a roof over our head, food in the fridge, and then everything just like went to chaos. Like if we had decided on any of that, like three, four, a week later, probably wouldn't have signed the lease because I would have maybe had cold feet. We might not have, you know, like everything just had to happen in the exact timing that it did for it to be how it is today. Um, so that was, yeah, March, 2020. And once everything shut down, I just like went off the grid, like didn't post anything on Instagram. Like I went from being like, I'm on Cannon Beach, like doing reels, making stories every day, posting like 20 stories a day to just like completely dark. I was like, oh my God, I'm back in Omaha. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. If I post that I'm in Omaha, everyone's going to start asking questions and I don't have any answers. And I just really didn't want anyone's feedback. And I know that that may sound like mean or bad or whatever, but I was just like, I want to figure this out on my own. So I basically just took like six weeks of silence. And that month I ran a hundred miles. I walked every day. I was like meditating, journaling, um, and just really being alone with my thoughts and being like, what do I want to open? Like, this is such a unique opportunity right now. I have this space. We're here. Clay's not working right now. He can help me with anything. Our families are here, but also like the world could be ending. Like what, what am I going to make this? And at this time I was like, maybe it could still be the coffee shop clothing store. Maybe, maybe it's going to be an Airbnb. Well, no one was traveling. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of do like a permanent pop-up style thing. Like I obviously know the pop-ups went really well. So maybe we'll just open on the weekends and feel it out. Like if people come, great. If not, like I'll just go back to freelancing and have a very, very, very large office, I guess, or maybe run it out to people for a studio. I just didn't really care because what exactly it was going to be. I just wanted what came with owning my own business. Like I wanted the ability to create in a beautiful environment every day. I want the freedom to wake up at 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. if I want. I want the freedom to travel when I want, to work as hard or as not hard as I want those days. Like that's what getting, having your own business really meant to me. It wasn't so much about like being the clothes or being, or selling coffee. And of course, all of those are like huge perks that come with it. Like I love the community that I've created. I love when people are like wearing new wave, but that's kind of like what comes after the initial values that I wanted with starting my own business. So yeah, I'm like those six weeks, I'm just thinking and thinking and thinking. Like they say, uh, think, dream, do. And I was thinking and not a lot of action was happening, but I don't regret it because if COVID hadn't happened, I definitely would have rushed that entire process. And it just, the store wouldn't be how it is today. Like I really do think the brand is so representative of me and I'm really proud of how it looks and the design and everything. And that's because I actually was able to put so much time and thought into it. Uh, and so then after I really worked out all those kinks, um, I was able to take action. So the month of May last year is when we started building the clothing racks and we started, um, you know, building displays, cleaning the windows, fixing the cracks in the walls, painting, 
forming the S Corp, like all those legal things that just take so much time. And it was so hard last year because, you know, the post office was so overwhelmed. So getting inventory to my address, which wasn't even an address at that point in time, because when the building sold, they had to split it into three different units. It was a mess. Well, no one was working at the post office because everyone had COVID and they were overwhelmed. They didn't care about getting me on the map, really. Even getting a business bank account set up was impossible because all the banks were closed and you have to do everything in person. Like I kind of have repressed actually how hard all of that was to do. And I had no one to ask, like no one I knew had done any of this stuff. So I just felt really alone during that time, but I wouldn't regret or I wouldn't change how I did it. Maybe could have asked for more help, but Anyway, in May, we really get everything done. And I set the date to open June 5th and was like, you know what? Yep, I'll just open the Fridays and Saturdays. And June and July were awesome. Like, I loved it. People were so supportive. The sales were really great. I felt like I was in my flow, like doing all the behind the scenes work in the week and then getting to open on the weekends. I kind of would relate it to being like, all right, all week I practice. And then on the weekend is the game get a show up, get a reap the benefits of your hard work. And that's kind of how it was with the pop-ups way back then too. And then August came and I decided, okay, for the month of August, I'm going to do a huge Husker drop collection. And I had been saving and saving and saving Husker stuff again, because obviously everyone was asking like, are you going to be doing the Husker stuff again? And I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I've got to level up from last year and I've got to go big. So I had like 500 things. Like it was so good. I hired a photographer. The line was out the door the day that it launched, like to date, that is my best sales day. And I don't even know how I could ever top it again. Like it was insane. But then after that, that got me so much publicity, I guess. And like so many people found out about the store and wanted, you know, to keep coming back. And then after that is where I feel like things started to go downhill a little bit. Like I was so tired. I couldn't keep up. Inventory was flying out the door. Like I was getting bombarded. People wanted to interview me for like their like school projects. People wanted to buy stuff online. Like I just didn't have the resources, time or energy to do every single thing that I needed to do. So I was at the point where I was like, okay, I have to hire someone. And I did. I hired two people to like actually work the store. And then I hired a photographer and models. And this is probably about the point where I'm going to start telling you guys some things that I learned. And then if I could go back and change things, this is probably where I would have done that. In hindsight, I think if I had just closed the store for like a week or two and got myself back on my feet and been like, you know what? Okay, let's stock the store back up. Like people are pretty understanding. I literally could have just been like, holy shit, guys. Like we've, we're literally... Inventory is flying out the door. We can't keep up. I'm a one woman show. Sorry, but hold up. I'll be back in two weeks. Like people would have been fine. But like when you're a new business or maybe this was just me, I felt like I had to say yes to everything and everyone and take every single opportunity that came my way. And as all this publicity was happening, this is also probably what, six months into COVID, people in their jobs were starting to get desperate. This is when all the layoffs were happening. Everyone was at home cleaning out their closets, making little part-time jobs. So I was getting bombarded with, will you sell my handmade earrings or people showing up at my door with bags and bags and bags and boxes of clothes and home decor and being like, will you look through this? Like, I just can't even pay my bills. Like I just, anything would help if you could just look through this and buy some of it. Like, and I get that people were going through a hard time. Like none of us had any prep or knowledge of what the last year was going to entail. And so, you know, at first I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I want to help people. I'm in a place where I can, like I, you know, here, and I started selling people's things on consignment and carrying all of these random little vendors to try to help make all these people's dreams come true and pay their bills and buy up people's stuff that they didn't want. And also kind of on a different side note of that, like when you are a new business, you're like so susceptible to like scam and fraud because people, I would like get emails of being like, you know, your domain's expiring. This uh, bill is due. You need to pay this because they know that you don't know what you're doing basically and want to get money out of you. So I just didn't even know up from down. I was getting so overwhelmed and felt like the vision and everything I worked for was like kind of slipping away because I was trying to be superwoman and mother Teresa and help everyone. And in doing all of that, I really like didn't take care of myself and was like going out more. I was like trying to drink to cope with my stress. I was not sleeping like ever. Like we literally stay up till 5 a.m. every night just to try to get everything done. I was saying yes to all of these people and things that 
were actually hindering my success. And since I was also freelancing, um, I had kind of put that on a pause over the summer. But then as all these different mandates came in, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, I need a website. Um, could you design me a website so I can sell my goods online? I need you to make my bar like a takeout menu. So I'm saying yes to all of these people and clients that I used to work for because I felt so bad. Like, damn, that really sucks. Like they were doing so well and now they can't open their doors and they need me. And I'm the one that has all of their files because I'm the one who created their stuff in the get-go. So then I'm not even working on my business and I'm help spending 40 hours a week helping all these other people. And then I'm like trying to pay other people to run my store, but they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing because I don't have the time to dedicate to them. It was just like a pretty unfortunate situation. And one day I just like snapped, like it was sometime after my birthday, probably mid to late October. And I was like, I absolutely can like not, I'm like getting shaky thinking about it. I can't talk to another human being. Like I cannot answer one more email. I cannot have one more person tell me their sob story and guilt trip me. I can't. And I also hadn't taken a paycheck last fall for like four months because I was literally everyone, you know, that was the heat of everything else happening. Um, and like politics and everything. Everyone's telling me where I need to donate my money, where I need to do all of this stuff. And I'm like, I'm literally a baby business. I have no money. I'm not even taking my own paycheck, but yeah, everyone wants everything of mine. And so I just pieced out. I literally was like, okay, you guys watch the shop. I, at that point, I was like, the shop's not even mine. Everyone's taken over it. I felt so sad. I wasn't mad or really anything. I was just so sad. I was like, I'm the one that spent almost all my life savings to open the store. I'm the one that did all the research. I'm the one that spent months planning and prepping and doing everything. I'm the one with the creative vision. I'm the one that took all the risks. And now everyone just wants to come in here, swoop on my success and like take some of it. And maybe this is me being a sensitive Enneagram four, but like if I'm having an identity crisis, like nothing is right in my life. And so I was just like, I have to leave. Like all I could think about doing was like running away from that. So I get in my car with peaches, drive down to Marfa, New Mexico and go to Marfa, Texas. Cause I'm like, I, I don't even know what to do, but I, the only way people will stop bombarding me because the problem was everyone knew where the store was and where I lived. Like they, this sounds so dramatic, but people would show up with like a pickup truck and just bring in toast to the store. And I was like, guys, like I'm not a resale store like that. Like I go and find the inventory, but like, I don't buy from people. So I'm like trying to check people out as people are just like dropping trash bags in the floor and like calling me and asking me all of these questions. Like people would show up with all of their handmade goods and be like, would you buy this right now? And I'm like, this is, this is not how you do business. You don't do business in the middle of a business day. Like send me an email. But um, yeah, so I'm literally sleeping in my car in Marfa, Texas, eating granola bars, living on nothing. Meanwhile, I'm paying all of these other people because and taking nothing for myself. And that's when I was like, no, this is time to be selfish. Like, this is not what this was about. Like, yes, I want to help people, but you cannot pour from an empty cup. So I basically was just like, get your shit together, get a backbone. I mean, it took me like, I think I was gone for two or three weeks. Like I'm telling you guys, I was so unwell and I was unwell gone. If I had been here and stayed through here for that, like that's someone asked, like, when would you have thrown in the towel? It probably would have been then because I was just like, this isn't even my store. This is not my dream. I'm not having fun. I'm not making money. I'm not getting to be creative. This space was supposed to be my safe space. I'm the one paying the rent. And like, I couldn't even be in the store. Like I would have to leave at all points in time. I'd literally just go sit in my car down the street and cry because I felt like I couldn't escape the stress and the bombardment. And I do want to make a side note. Like, obviously I'm very thankful that people were interested and wanted to be a part of it. But there was just like no boundaries in place. And all, that's all on me. I didn't have any boundaries set up. And I don't think if code wouldn't have happened, none of this would have happened that way. People were just in a very desperate time. And rightfully so. It's like a life or death situation. Anyway, so I get back from Marfa and I'm like, okay, time to slow down. I need to see things different. Well, then, of course, it's the week before Black Friday and then it's the holidays. So things did not slow down. They only got more intense but I'm like, you know what? If I can just make it until January, I can close the store in January and recoup and close for a little bit and think some things through. So if you guys go and listen to the first episode, maybe the first or second, you can probably hear it in my voice that I was like so unwell. Like I was like, I need alone time. I think I said that a hundred times on that podcast. And I did this spring. I just finally started being like, okay, 
how, how can I change the narrative? Like, this is my story. I get to write it and I have to put myself first. So I didn't, you know, that kind of change doesn't happen overnight, but I slowly started analyzing like what around me is serving me and making my life better and what here is intentional and what needs to go. And I think, oh my God, in January, I probably donated. This is such a bad business thing. I didn't even care. Probably like five grand of inventory. Cause I was like, this is weighing me down. I can't look at it. This stuff was literally things that people like pawned off on me and made them buy like random thing, not to like throw this girl under the bus, but some girl wanted her to make scrunchies for me. She makes them, charges me $500 for a small batch of handmade scrunchies. And I'm just like, okay, I can't say no. Just things like that, that should have never even happened. But basically in January, I started my like cleansing, cleansing and purging process. Just got rid of a ton of stuff. Um, I took out, I had to take out another $7,500 of money that I didn't want to have to spend to buy inventory that I felt like actually aligned with me and displays that actually aligned with me and launched the website and was like, no, these are the things that I wanted, but I was so lost in the sauce and running so fast. Like I could barely even like figure out the next day or that weekend, let alone like a week or two ahead. Cause everything was just coming so fast that I, I could not catch up. And I learned from last fall, like that didn't work for me. So yeah, this spring has just been a big old cleansing and I don't, I'm like tiptoeing around figuring out how to say this, but basically I was like, you know what? I deserve the things that I wanted that I've been working for. So now I no longer, I put an employee on leave and she ended up leaving, um, which is totally fine. I think that actually this is best case scenario. So now I'm back to being a one woman show. Now I can afford, I bought myself a new car. I went sober. I started a vegan diet. I cleaned out my house. Like all the things that are why I wanted to do this and have the freedom and the creativity to start with. I'm like so slowly getting my power back. And it just feels so good because for so long, like I was just giving away everything at the cost of like my sanity, my energy, my money, my savings. So all in all, I will say that the first year of business was the most I've learned ever doing anything. And obviously there are high highs and low lows. Like I do need to reiterate that I'm obviously so thankful to even be where I am. Like the problems that I had of were were good problems to have. It was just me learning how to say no and build those boundaries. And recently I saw a quote from Warren Buffett. He said, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. And that doesn't mean me saying no to every young college girl that's making jewelry coming in. That means saying no to tequila shots on a Friday afternoon, saying no to every event that doesn't like I can't go to every single wedding and every single birthday party and every happy hour and all of that. Like if you want your dream to come true, there's just some things that are not going to be possible. And the other thing I really learned from all of this is that like, if you as the business owner or sole person of that business aren't doing well, then neither can the business. Like you are the foundation of the business and you can't carry all the weight the finances, the emails, be the customer service rep, the web designer, the social media marketer, the actual person running the shop, the janitor, everything. If you're falling apart on the inside, like eventually that's going to have like pour off onto the business. And that's kind of at the point where I decided to like peace out to Marfa because I could feel that happening. Um, and I just never want to be in that position again. And I think that's why this podcast is good to share that side of it. Because if I had I mean, if you look at the Instagram, mine or New Waves, you would never know. Like everything was fine on the front end. Like it just wasn't up, say, to my standards or I wasn't feeling healthy, happy and at peace in my own life. But yeah, so one year will be June 5th. And I don't want to make it seem like this hasn't been a positive experience because it definitely, definitely has. I just don't think a lot of people actually talk about how hard it is and that when you do have your own business, Work and personal are so intertwined. I heard in one clubhouse room that there it's not how to have work-life separation. It's how to have work-life balance because now in 2021 where people, like if I go to a coffee shop, people will just ask me about the store or something. Like if I'm out, 
I see people, I see customers, people, if I don't answer new waves email fast enough, people just come from my DM. So like, there's really no point in separating the two. Honestly, in my opinion, it's figuring out how you can do both in a balanced way. Like for me, that means, okay, for the first two hours, if I wake up at 6 a.m. and I charge my phone in the other room, I'm not looking at that thing till 8 a.m. Like I have to wake up and serve myself first, make my coffee, take the dog for a walk, clean up the house. Like I have to do those things before I start pouring away into everyone else. And just knowing that it is okay. Like you don't have to respond to every email within 30 seconds. Like people can wait a day, like it's okay. And otherwise you're just going to burn yourself out and run yourself into the ground. If you're trying to be everything for everyone as a small business, like you can't do that. Like you've got to pick and choose your battles. You've got to find your niche. You've got to do what you do well. And like, just let the other stuff go. Um, but yeah, I think now I'll transition into the Q and a section. I don't know if I already said this, but basically on new waves, Instagram, I did a poll where I just asked people to ask me questions. So I'll try to say the answers pretty quickly because there were a lot of them. Okay. First question. How did you raise the capital to open a storefront and purchase inventory? So I, like I said, we were going to be traveling all of 2020 and I had saved up a ton. So when COVID hit and we basically signed the lease in March, well, I had essentially, what is that? Like eight more months of travel saved up. So I basically just took that and invested it into the store. And then I also have had a financial advisor for probably five years and yeah, definitely five years. Every single month since I started with him, I have saved $300 per month into an investment account. And now that's grown. It was at like 18,000. And then I ended up taking like five more out to put with my initial investment for the store. So I think I had like 10,000 plus the 5,000 from the investment account. So I would say it was about 15,000 to get everything up and going, inventory, repairs, displays, racks, legal fees, all that stuff. I would say it probably cost about $15,000. My tip with that would be to hire a financial advisor and an accountant right out of the gate. They will pay for themselves time and time again, especially if you're like me and you just don't really know what you're doing in those categories. Money problems will make everything in a small business very stressful and you will probably start to panic and make poor business decisions if you're having money woos. Okay, next question. If you could give past Allison any advice, knowing what you know now about New Wave, what would you tell her? Uh, yeah, I would say slow down, say no, stick to your roots, let your family help like they asked to instead of hiring people. Back when the going got tough last fall, obviously my mom and my sister and Clay and Clay's parents, my dad, my stepmom were asking, how can we help? What can we do? We'll stamp bags. We can watch the shop for a day. And I was just being too prideful and being like, no, it's fine. Like you guys have your own lives. Like you're busy. I've got this on my own. Like I'll pay people when I could have just like the point of starting a store in Omaha was to like, let my support system help me. Like I didn't need to be so tough and try to do it all on my own. It's okay to ask for help. And I also would just say, make sure to take time for yourself. Uh, next question. If any celebrity would wear your clothes, which celebrity and why? Miley Cyrus, vintage banty and vintage jeans. Uh, she recently posted this Instagram, like sitting on a Jeep. And I was like, I literally have that same outfit at New Wave. I could give that to her. Yeah, I just love her. Big fan. All right. What are your goals for the rest of 2021 with New Wave? Be intentional. Be more online. Make more TikToks and reels. Stay organized. Never get over my head. And if I do notice that and like sit in it and breathe and be present rather than, you know, drowning in than panicking after that. Um, because I know I am not my best self when I'm having an identity crisis and I'm swamped. Uh, the next question is, have you ever wanted to throw in the towel? Uh, like I kind of touched on that earlier, so I feel like I can skip over that. But point with that is I definitely do see why so many small businesses fail because if you get to that point, it just, it is easy to throw in the towel. You're like, this is not worth it. Like, I'm just going to go back and get a nine to five where I can clock out at the end of the day, have a steady paycheck coming. Like if you don't absolutely love what you're doing, you're going to throw in the towel. Like there's just, what's the point then if you don't like doing it? Because you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices and the sacrifices are going to have to be worth you wanting to stick in it for the long run. How do you maintain everything on a daily basis? What are your daily to do's? Kind of piggybacking off the last question. Like I said, you really have to love it. I work a lot. One week, maybe I should tally up my hours, but 
Oh my gosh. I mean, I wake up at probably like between six and seven 30 every day. And I am pretty much immediately work. Even if I'm just being quiet over coffee, I'm journaling. I'm thinking about things, planning things for like the weeks to come. And people will always ask that come in the store that don't really like understand or get it. I'll be like, so what do you do like Monday through Wednesday? Or like, do you work a full-time job or like, what else do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, like no shame on those people, but like everything takes so much time. And I just don't think people realize how much goes into like every little tiny thing. Like, oh, there's all these cute little quotes on the wall. It's like, oh yeah, that took four hours to find the quotes, to make the coffee paper, to handwrite the quotes, to aesthetically organize them. Oh, that like new display over there. Yeah, that took six hours to take every single thing off the display, redo it, re-merchandise it, step away, look back at it, add this, photograph it, post that Instagram, like every, you know, getting all of your emails done, taking inventory, washing it, tagging it, pricing it, answering DMs all day long, posting stories of everything you're doing to even get one product onto the website. It's like, okay, get the product, shoot it, edit those photos, measure it out, weigh it, upload it to the site, write the description, put in the measurements, sync the shipping, make the sale, Go get the box, put it in the box, make it all cute, write a little note, put a sticker on it, enter the shipping info, put it in the printer, wrap it all up, tape it, take it to the post office. It's like, so when I have a, when I show an Instagram of like 20 packages, people are like, oh, that's cute. It's like, yeah, that, that took me all day long. That's what I did today. It took me the whole day. So I think it's just crazy, like how everything can look so seamless and easy from the outside when you just like come in and the music's playing and the candles are lit and everything's all calm and nice. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, well, that shopping bag, I had to spend eight hours stamping all of this week's bags. Uh, the janitor, those stairs are not fun to mop every week. Like windexing all the mirrors, mopping the floors, vacuuming, wiping everything down. Like it all really just takes so much time and the work is never done. It never ends. There's always more you can do. Um, because someone else asked, could you do this with a full-time job? I do not think that you could do a storefront with a full-time job. I don't, I feel like I'm a hard worker and work a lot of hours. I don't know how you could do both. I definitely think you could do an online store or pop-ups or like farmer's markets with an online job, but like an actual brick and mortar is just a whole different ball game. And that's something that I didn't even realize because I was like, oh, you know, I've been doing wedding coordination, like a service-based business. I've been doing other event planning. I coordinate these party buses. I do freelance stuff. Like I'm totally like a hard worker and doing it all. But there is just something very, very, very different about having a physical location that people come into all the time. It's just different. I don't know. And of course there's pros and cons to everything because if you have, you know, a digital business, like you're going to constantly have to upgrade your software and your technology and keep learning. If you have, um, like a, where you're the service, you know, you're going to get tired. You're going to get sick. If you can't be there, who else can do it? So I think it's more about just figuring out what works for you and what you really love to do, because it's going to be a lot of work, no matter what route you choose. Next question things you wish you knew before starting new wave. Um, I definitely wanted to hone in on the taxes here. I feel like I constantly bitch and moan about the taxes, but they're horrible. Like you pay so much in taxes from sales tax to income tax, to payroll tax into the unemployment pool. Like I swear every few days I check my business checking account. I'm like, Oh, 200 more dollars. Oh, 400. Oh, 2000. I don't know what they're even all going for. Like, obviously it's right. My accountant is the one that like set it all up. And if I ask them, they're like, yeah, it's for this, this, and this. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like anytime I think like, wow, we're really starting to save some money here. Quarter sales taxes come in and I have to pay $3,000. I'm like, oh, hmm, I understood now. So I would say to hire the tax accountant from the start, because I try to do it on my own for this first six months. And I just made it such a nightmare. Like poor Tony, when I called him, I was like, help. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I think I've like royally messed up everything. It's just, there's not a lot of info online about that kind of stuff. And every state is different. Every business is different. Like it is just really something you want to go to a professional for, because if you are late on those payments, like then you're getting late fees, you know, the IRS come knocking at your door, just not something to mess with. And I feel like there's a lot of things that I am good at with the business and the taxes are not one of them. So rather than me having like a full-blown panic attack every time. I can just let someone else figure that out for me. So certainly worth the money to hire a professional for something like that. 
How did you come up with the name for your business? Really love this question. And I don't feel like I've like really talked about it that much. So I was originally going to call the store the flip side, playing off of how I like flipped clothing and home decor and like gave it a new life and how the store is also like on the second floor. I thought it was just like quirky and fun. And I was like asking my parents and they were like, no, people are going to think it's like a record store. Just like back in the day, you'd say like, oh, play the flip side of that record. And my dad's like, people are going to think that you like sell music and albums. And I was like, no, my generation won't think that though. And he's like, well, everyone over the age of like 40 is going to think that you're a record shop. And I mean, they obviously weren't saying like, no, don't do it. But they definitely were kind of like, by the way. And so I was like really stuck on that concept though. And one day I was just sitting at my desk and the term new wave just like hit me. I was like, that's it. That's the name. Texted it to my mom and sister, bought the domain, mocked up the logo, like literally in 10 minutes. I It happened so fast. I was like, yeah, that's it. And then the more I like sat and marinated with that name, I was just like, oh my God, it fits so well. Like a new wave of like mindset and fashion, like people coming around to the idea that secondhand and vintage shopping is cool. Um, personally for me, it's kind of like, a new wave of your life, like how I'm trying to be, you know, more mindful about drinking and eating vegan and choosing sustainable uh, options, like just a new era of my life um, that seeks growth and action, um, like a new wave of energy of for other people. It's like you can go with the flow and ride the wave of whatever life throws at you because really opening the store, like from the beginning, there were so many things that could have stopped it from happening, but I just had to take it day by day, week by week and month by month. And eventually like it all worked itself out. And then lastly, I think it's about like making waves, impacting, inspiring other people to like find their wave. And then that like keeps, you know, it has a domino effect and keeps impacting other people. And going off of that, someone said, tell us a story behind the brand and vision for the ongoing presence. Um, before the name actually came the rainbow mural. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but all of these kids during quarantine were like drawing little rainbows and, uh, taping it up or drawing rainbows on paper and taping it up to their windows so that people like, I don't know, walking or driving by would see it as like a symbol of hope. And I was just like thinking that that was the sweetest, most innocent, beautiful little gesture and so I, one day I was like, I want to paint a rainbow mural on the wall. It was the first thing I like really ever did at the store. And I didn't really have a rhyme or reason to the color or the size or the impact that the rainbow would have. I just went to Hobby Lobby one day and bought up a bunch of paint. So as I'm painting it, I'm like, this thing is too brown. This is too orange. I, just, I was having fun. I just kept painting over it over and over and over again, mixing colors. And eventually I was like, that's it. It was like, it's like a soft tan, baby pinks, kind of warm, but not too warm. And I just stepped back one day and I was like, yep, I finally, that's the color palette. Those are all the colors that I want that are me and the store. So then the rainbow kind of ended up inspiring the arch on the logo, which some people call it a rainbow. Some people call it a sun. Originally, I wanted it to be like a sun setting on the horizon, like of the ocean with the waves, but it's whatever you want it to be. I don't really care. Um, that's kind of the thing about design is like you can make it be what you want it to be, but everyone's going to see it differently based off their past experiences anyway. So however people see it, I don't really care. But in a recent interview, I talked about how the store is really a combination of like my three personas. So there's this artsy Amsterdam girl. She's pretty quiet, very romantic, loves her partner, the rain, goes on picnics, rides her bike around. Loves to go to art museums and just kind of, you know, sit outside at a little bistro and drink some coffee. The second girl is like a trendy New York City girl. She's more like a social butterfly, wears sneakers, big tees, vintage jeans, um, always hanging out with her girlfriends, loves brunch and shopping. And the third girl is this desert boho girl. She's always running outside, loves the sunshine, is much more like grounded with the earth, being vegan, making things with our hands, maybe like pottery and ceramics, just loves the heat. And I think those three versions are of me are like very much embodied in the store because you have like the desert boho room and you've also got all of these like grunged out band tees. And then you have like all these random little quotes on a typewriter. So I'm sure maybe to other people, it's like, those are three totally different people and they are, but they're like my three dream lives that I would love to live, but I'm not living them, I guess. So I am in my own way 
in my own corner of the world. Uh, Someone said, what is your favorite part behind the scenes? And I would just say it's like being alone in the store in my element on like a random Tuesday afternoon with like a good playlist on my iced oat milk matcha, dancing around with like peaches and making displays and installations. And I just feel like I can unapologetically create without, you know, anyone watching or seeing the process. Like sometimes I don't mind sharing the process because I know it really helps people. But there are some days when I'm like, I just need to put the distractions away and just like create to create. And it feels so good for me. Like I I have to create something every single day. Like Clay's like, I have to work out every single day. Like I have to make something. Otherwise I just, I don't know, feel weird. Um, another thing that I really love to do behind the scenes that is pretty nerdy is looking at the reports. Like I have the Square app on my phone and I'm constantly just like, oh, that that was the best selling item this week. What sold the most in like October? Like I always just look up different reports and sales summaries and then Clay and I like nerd out over it, which I mean, he's an accountant, so obviously he loves it, but I'm just really motivated by numbers and interested in analyzing them, I guess. Um, realistic expectations for someone who would like to do this without experience. Well, I think you should get some experience first because the whole thing is a very large and expensive ordeal. So I would say get some experience on someone else's dime first before you just go and do all of that and lose everything. Um, no matter what that experience is or for how long it is, but I would not start with absolutely nothing. Uh, what are the biggest highs and lows? Biggest low was everything I kind of expanded on about last fall and the identity crisis and being guilt tripped and learning how to say no and set boundaries. But to counter that, the highs, there's so many highs. Like, obviously, I wouldn't be doing this if the highs did not overweigh the lows. But like when people come in and either they know or they don't know that I'm the owner and they're like, oh my God, they're like whispering to their friend, like, this store is so beautiful. Look at this. This is so cute. This is so cute. I love this. Like taking all these photos of everything. Like that is so rewarding to me. Like, oh my gosh, it's all worth it. Like someone noticed that tiny little thing I did here, like makes me so happy. And when people message me super kind things, like I was feeling down in the dumps today. And then I was just like looking at you and the store or your brand. And like, it really inspired me. And like, it literally got me out of bed today. Like that makes it so worth it. And there are so many days when I even just say to myself and declare like, Oh, like I'm really doing this. Like I'm so happy. This is literally everything I wanted. Like when I used to go into stores and coffee shops and cafes and be like, I just want my own someday. I have it now. Like it's just, it's crazy. Question is, where do you find inventory? Uh, well, no secret here. I literally just go to thrift shops and vintage shops all over. Um, people are always like, what's the best one? Okay, there is no best thrift store. People don't like clean out their clothes and be like, okay, everyone said, you know, the Goodwill on 72nd Street is the best one. So I just take all of my prime stuff here. Like, that's not how it works. Like, it's just random. People just donate stuff. So you just have to go often. You have to go frequently. You have to go all hours of the day. Like, it's really just taking the time to go through every item and visit a ton of stores. It's all look of the draw. I mean, obviously, over time, I know what to look for. And someone said, like, how do you stay to a specific look? That is kind of hard because sometimes I find something so dope. And I'm like, oh, my God, this I love this thing. This would, like, definitely sell well. And I'm like, no, I don't need this random suitcase or rocking chair. Like, this is not going to fit the store. I don't have a place for this. I don't, don't just need to buy it to buy it. I'm not Urban Outfitters and Amazon. Like, just stick to what I'm doing and let someone else that sells handmade rocking horses, they can go do that. I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? Like stick to what you know, I guess. Uh, and another tip would be, there's a lot of really cool wholesale sites uh, like FAIR, F-A-I-R-E. It's kind of like a wholesale Etsy. I found a lot of really amazing vendors on there. Uh, you can just like, they have a profile, their prices with the wholesale price versus the retail prices, like when you need to reorder. It's so easy to use. And I think there's quite a lot of those popping up. Like I think a bound is another one. You can also just like DM makers on Etsy and work out a deal with them. Some vendors I've really just found from being out and shopping. Like when I was in New Mexico, I found quite a few vendors and was like, wait, I have a store in Omaha. Like I'd love to sell your stuff. And they're like, yeah, totally. Or when I was in Marfa, I was just looking at some of the products in those stores and took note of some of the brands and then contacted those brands. Of course, I gave credit, but it's not it's not really competition when this other random vintage store in Marfa that doesn't have an online store and I hardly have an online store, like I'm not stealing their vendors because that is definitely something you don't want to do if someone's like in your area. 
So I don't know, go, go, go far away if you want to find other vendors, I guess. Uh, oh, the process for selecting vendors. Um, honestly, I really just like finding the vendors myself. Uh, like if people send a lot of emails to me and like constantly bug me like six times to get their product in the store, I'm like, is your product that good if you have so much time to email me and constantly follow up? And like, it kind of comes off as desperate versus if someone is just like living their life, posting their cute shit. I'm like, wait, that random account in like Oregon has really cool vegan matcha. Like I'm going to hit them up. And that kind of just goes with the whole brand of like finding hidden gems and things that are under the radar. Maybe that not everyone knows about, but Outside of that, I do particularly look for like the aesthetics of the product itself and the packaging. If they are a small business, bonus if they're woman owned, bonus if they are like sustainably minded and use, you know, compostable or recyclable packaging. Someone said, what are your lease terms like? Your yearly or month rent? Um, how did you find the leasing space? Kind of talked about that. Um, I just worked with PJ Morgan and a real estate agent. I don't know if people know this, but it didn't cost me anything to like go on those tours. I just set them up over email. They showed up like you can tour a hundred places if you want. I mean, it might get annoying. I wouldn't do that many, but you're free to just go look at a place. You don't have to sign anything. But yeah, I have a one-year lease, but I already renewed it. So I think, I mean, I'm fine to stick around here for a little while, but I pay monthly rent and yeah, that's about that. Uh, oh, I w- will say that is pretty uncommon. Usually with a commercial space, they are not just one year. Usually they're like three, five, or 10 years. And you also have NNNs, which is like another fee that you have to pay for kind of like the maintenance of the building and the property. And the NNNs can fluctuate. Definitely not a real estate pro here. So definitely ask them about that. But my situation is definitely not common. So I would not take this as the norm. How do you deal with the permanent permanence of owning a brick and mortar. That terrifies me. I love to travel and I know you do too. How do you deal with that? I think just because I already traveled so much, I always say I've been to 28 countries. I think it's 28, but I just, I got so much travel out of my system in the last like 10 years. Every year I've spent months being gone and I really feel like all of the inspiration and the people I met and the places I went impacted everything with the store And now in this year, I also think that's how I have money to do the store. If I think back, going to 28 countries is not cheap. Flying and staying in a really nice hotel in Zurich, Switzerland over Christmas is not cheap. Like I loved spending my money on all of those things, but that's the reason that I had money to buy a car this year or I had money to open the store is because I wasn't gone for four months of the year flying everywhere. Um, But I think that that travel bug will come back. I just do feel really content right now with the places I've been and the experience I've had. And now I'm kind of more on like an implementation of that inspiration stage and doing smaller little trips. Like we went to San Diego for the weekend, like those little spurts that kind of keep me going. But I don't think I'll be taking, you know, months off anytime soon to travel again. And I know that that uh, desire will certainly return, but... For now, I'm loving what I'm doing a whole lot. And I just, I feel very inspired by my own space. Will you ever create more locations? Hard to say. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I totally love to open more locations. And other times I'm like, no man, you can't make a second new wave. Like new wave is what it is because it's like upstairs and the lighting and all the rooms like that. The quirks of the space are really like what make the store what it is. And it's hard. I know we always say don't compare, but if I open another one, people are always going to be like, oh, but it's not like the other new waves. Like, of course, it's not like the other new wave. So I think if anything, I would probably call it something else so that people didn't even compare it to the other one. It's just like, it's a different thing. But I do have another business venture in mind. And I've even like been thinking about it more and more and more recently. And I'm like, I kind of feel like I could launch this by next year. But I think I'd rather do that first, then maybe a cafe with like my mom and sister, and then maybe another new wave type of place. So sorry to let anyone down, but I don't think that there will be a second new wave coming anytime soon. Rather just get online going and like do more pop-ups and expand the current brand rather than opening an actual second store. 
What is your staging process? Okay, huge tip for this, whether you're staging or doing any type of cleaning, take every single thing out. And like, if you're going to clean out your closet, every single thing out of the closet, off the hanger or whatever you got to do, and then only put items back that you want to keep. Or if you're displaying something, put the items in as like your favorite or the statement pieces and like build around that. And everything that you have left that you took out, if you don't like it, then it either doesn't go on the display or you donate it or you put it in a closet and it goes somewhere else, whatever. But I I think that that really helps to start from a blank slate. And then I usually ask myself like, what story am I trying to tell here? Is this, you know, around a holiday? Is this around a color? Is this around an aesthetic? Like it needs to have some general story or point that the customer can kind of be like, oh, I, I just kind of see what's going on here. Um, that was actually the last question. I didn't realize that because my page ended. Um, but yeah, I hope that was helpful. I am really glad that I got to dive more in depth on it on the podcast because I was like, do I do a YouTube series? How am I going to get all this information out there? Because when people just message me, I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't answer your question with like a quick little paragraph. Like all of these things are so depending on the other. And maybe if I missed some things, I can do a follow-up. Someone suggested I do an Instagram live. I don't think I'll do that. That sounds scary. But maybe a follow-up podcast episode or some stories if I missed anything. But I do want to say thank you to all my loyal New Wave customers. You guys are awesome. When you come in and you're like, I listen to the podcast, it makes me so happy. I always tell Kara like immediately, like probably before you even get down the stairs, I've already texted her. Um, But yeah, I'm super thankful for you guys and the journey and the support. Truly could not do it without everyone. And I'm just really thankful to be coming up on one year. Um, I'll be honest, I don't have any special plans yet. For June 5th, I'm sure I'll come up with something in the next few weeks. But yeah, I would love to see your guys' faces in the shop that weekend if you want to come help me celebrate. Thanks so much for tuning in. And this is another episode of Already Friends. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Already Friends. It means the world to us that you are listening, liking, subscribing, and following us on Instagram. We are really trying to build up our rating in Apple Podcasts. So if you could leave a review, we are a review and a rating. We are doing a giveaway at the end of the year for AirPod Pros. So Kara is going to tell you how you can enter that giveaway. Yes. So to be entered into this giveaway, you need to leave a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. Go ahead and click five-star, write a little snippet about what you're enjoying with the podcast, and then screenshot that and send it to our Instagram at We're Already Friends. That way you'll be entered. We'll see it. And yeah, we're doing the drawing at the end of the year. So again, thank you for your support. It really means the world to us and it lets us keep doing what we're doing. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you next time. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.